this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Jesus came to this earth to make an everlasting covenant with you. Now this may not resonate with you and you may not fully comprehend this, but listen to the implications. The God of the universe sent his son into the world to obligate himself to you. That's crazy. We always think that we are somehow obligated to God or should obligate ourselves to God when in reality he has committed himself to us. So listen in to all the benefits of Jesus's covenant that he offers to us. And yet the son of man to live on this earth, why did he do it? And I covered 10 or 11 reasons that came from the Old Testament, from prophecy as to why Jesus came. And I wanna, I wanna drill into one of those reasons that we talked about last Sunday. And, and it has to do with Jesus came to make a covenant with you and me. He came to establish a covenant with you and me. He came uh, to make a, in fact, a forever covenant, a forever covenant. Some people would say, well, Steve just used the word eternal. Well, you know what? Sometimes we need to use different words, synonyms to really drill in and understand the meaning of the word. He made a covenant, a forever covenant with you and me. And that's why, one of the reasons why he came. Now you may ask sometimes, Steve, I'm a bad person. And I'm, you know, I'm a bad person. All of us are. We tend, we have bad tendencies. And have you ever noticed that good things still happen to you even when you're doing bad things? Have you ever noticed that before? You're like, what? God, did you just see what I did five minutes ago? (laughs) Why are you blessing me in spite of my stinky self? Why did you do that, God? Let me tell you why. He's made a covenant with you. You're in covenant with God, and sometimes even when you smack your toe or you bash your face on the ground from falling so hard, God still does good things for you, still blesses you, and the reason is, is he has made a forever covenant with you. And when we come to realize, oh my goodness, I'm in covenant with God, it starts bringing a lot more security to your life. And you might start questioning yourself, what if I relapse? What if I do this? What if I do that? God has a forever covenant with you. And you start feeling a lot more God assured because you can't be self assured, right? We can't trust ourselves, but we can trust the everlasting father who's made a covenant with us. His grace, his mercy are towards us as a result of that covenant. So what on earth is a covenant? We talked briefly about it last Sunday, but it's a formal, a formal, solemn and binding contract between two parties. Those two parties being God Almighty and you. A solemn, formal covenant or or contract a binding contract now the essential elements of a contract is first of all that there'd be two people you can't make a covenant with yourself I mean I guess you can promise yourself I'm going to do x y and z but that's not a covenant a covenant that would be an oath by the way where you say I promise to do this and that and the other and I would tell you just as a side note don't make promises (laughs) you know as soon as you make a promise to yourself or a promise to someone else you end up 
feeling under pressure. You're burdened. And then what if you break it? Then you feel bad about yourself. So that's why the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. And just leave it. In fact, Jesus said anything else comes from the evil one. All right. But we're talking about covenants today. And a covenant has uh, the essential elements are two parties, two, two, two folks, a promise that's solemnly made and an obligation in terms of keeping that covenant going and, and keeping it alive. And it also has a seal or a ratification of the covenant that's often attached. In other words, a sign that that covenant is real, it's true, it's genuine. Now, there's two covenants that you and I can relate to most in life. I mentioned one last Sunday, and that is marriage. The covenant of marriage. I tell you what, I take my marriage really, really seriously. And anybody else who's married, don't look at the past. If you've been divorced, if you've, your marriage fell apart, don't worry about what happened before. Worry about what you're going to do from this point forward. That's what counts. You can't change the past, but you can decide what the future is going to look like. And so if you're married, you say, you know what? I'm going to stay married until the last dying breath of one of us. <laughs> we're going to stay married. And you know what? Uh, uh, Jesse is, yeah, we're going to do communion at the very end, right after church. <laughs> Marriage, look at this ratification of marriage here, the sign of marriage, my wedding ring. I go on trips and I wear that puppy and I wave it. Say, I'm a married man. All right? It's a sign. And there's obligations between me and Tina. You know, we're going to love each other. We're going to take care of each other. But there's another, there's another covenant that we're well aware of. We as human beings, we understand and that's the will. When someone passes away, you have a will, and that's a covenant. Let's say, I as a father, I have a covenant, a will, to pass on what I have to Tina or to the kids once I, once I pass away. We understand that one. And this one is pretty interesting because most often, a will doesn't have any obligation on the part of my children or my wife. I'm going to give them what I have they could be the worst people in the world. They could uh, snub their, you know, their nose at me. You know what? I have, I'm going to give them what's mine. And they have no obligation. Now, some people have wills with obligations, but I personally don't. There's no obligation. All the promise is on me. All the obligation is on me. Simply because they're my family, I will them my wonderful estate, <laughs> which may not be much. Sorry, Kyle. All right, so in the Bible, there was human wills, or excuse me, there was human covenants, and then there was divine covenants. In other words, a, a covenant from God to man, but there was also examples where, for instance, David and Jonathan entered into a covenant. If you know the story of David and Jonathan, they were best friends, and David and Jonathan entered into a covenant with one another, and the covenant was about, you know what? When we pass on, our descendants are still going to be in covenant with one another. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that. But if you know the story of David and Jonathan, there's an example of a covenant, a human covenant. But we're here this morning to talk about a divine covenant or divine covenants. Divine agreements, 
where God sovereignly says, I am going to make a covenant with you. I am going to make a covenant with you. I'm not going to invite you to, to the table to decide what the terms are. I, sovereign God, am going to determine what, the, what the, the, the terms of this covenant are. And it's up to you to receive that or to reject it. It's not, it's not a compromise. It's not a democracy. It's not anything. Sovereign God determines what the, covenant, the terms of the covenant are. There's no mutual agreement of those things. It's God's covenant. That's why God calls it. He said, it's my covenant with you. It's my, it's not our covenant. It's my covenant with you. Here's some, some covenants in the Bible. First of all, God carries, in, the, in this one example I'm about to give you, listen to this, this is amazing. God carries all the obligations of this one covenant in the Bible. And listen to what it is. He doesn't even ask man to do anything. He says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You can take it or leave it. It's there no matter what you do. And it was the covenant of Noah. In Genesis 9, verses 11 through 13, God says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you, Noah. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now Noah could have gone and done bad things, and God says, I'm never going to destroy the earth. No matter how bad humanity ever gets again, I'm never destroying the earth with a flood ever again. God said, and this will be the sign of the covenant. Remember how I told you covenants come with signs, signals? And a will, it's the, the, the piece of paper that the, the uh, person signs. But there's a, there, here's a sign. It was going to be the rainbow. <laughs> the rainbow. That's a sign. Every time we see a rainbow, we can say, that's God's sign. He's never going to destroy the world with a flood ever again. Will there be floods? Yes. Will there be a flood or a deluge that destroys the whole earth? Never again. In fact, the Bible tells us how the earth will be destroyed. It's not going to be because of our stupidity with, with uh, you know, ga you know, with uh, cars driving around or airplanes. That's not how the world is going to be destroyed. The Bible tells us the world will be destroyed by fire, not because of our poor ecological habits. <laughs> All right, that's not going to destroy the world. We do need to, we do need to take care of our earth. We do, don't get me wrong, but we are not going to destroy this world. Not even an atomic bomb is not going to destroy it. The, the, the Lord is going to destroy the heavens and the earth with fire. That's what the Bible tells us. So back to covenants. Now, there's other cases uh, where man had to do something in order to enter into covenant with God. There was an obligation on the part of a man, and there's several examples in the Bible of that, where, where man had to do something. Now, we see that most covenants, God comes, and in fact, every covenant seems to have a blessing from God, a blessing. When you talk about covenant with God, it's something that you want. There's many, many benefits, many, many blessings, but here's a couple of examples. A covenant God made with Adam and I'm not going to go into any details. Uh, God entered into covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with King David. And then he came and he made a covenant with Moses and the children of Israel. And that covenant is covered in the Old Testament. 
What is it? When we're talking about covenants, doesn't that ring a bell? An Old Testament? That literally means the Old Covenant. If you read the Old Testament, you're reading the Old Covenant that God made with the children of Israel, the people, uh, the, the Jewish nation. Guess what? We have now the New Testament, the New Covenant that God has made with you and with me. And it comes with incredible blessing, incredible benefits. But let me read this to you before we jump into all of that. Hebrews 9, verse 15, it says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. He's the one that has presented to you and me a new covenant that we can accept from his hand. And look at this. It says that those who are called may receive the promise. Okay, so we're talking about two parties. God says Jesus Christ is the one party and you and me, we are called of God. We're the other part of this covenant, two parties. And it is to be received. Now, anytime in the Bible where you see the word received, it's talking about faith. You, when God gives you something, all you have to do is receive it by faith. That is our obligation in the part of the new covenant is just to have faith in God, not to have faith in faith, not to have faith in the church, not to have faith in your pastor, have faith in God, have faith in God. You know, if you're, if you're always talking about that person, I don't know if they're ever going to turn to God. I don't know if they're ever going to do this. I don't know if they're, I don't know about our government. Can I trust our government? Can I do? No, you can't have faith in God. God overrides people's wills contrary to public opinion. Why would you pray for something impossible if God isn't going to go override somebody's evil will? Isn't that how you get saved when God says, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to save you anyways. And he overrides your addictions. He overrides your tendencies. He overrides. He comes and he rescues you. Man, praise God. Have faith in God. People aren't going to change by themselves, but God is going to change people. So our part in God's new covenant is to have faith simple that's it that reads it goes on it says now that we have uh he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first old covenant praise god what is god's obligation on in all of this to set you free from sin to set you free from yourself to set you free from your selfish self that's god's covenant with us that's his obligation his promise but we're going to see it's more than it's it's broader than than those simple words luke 22 verse 20 says in the same way after the supper after the lord's supper he took the cup saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you see jesus and we're going to be taking the lord's supper right after this Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're remembering Jesus's new covenant with us, his fresh, new, forever covenant, his Christmas covenant with us. Oh, every time we celebrate Christmas, we should be thinking, why did Jesus come? He came 
to establish a new covenant with us. Praise God. And all I have to do is have faith to be in covenant with relationship with Jesus. Absolutely amazing. So let's look. Let's dive into this. In Jeremiah 31. Man, this is a good chapter of the Bible. And by the way, as we read Jeremiah 31, just realize this. Much of this is covered all again in the New Covenant, the New Testament in Hebrews 8. But I'm going to be reading from Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. It says, in the, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with a people of Israel and with a people of Judah. It will not be like... The covenant I made with their ancestors, the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Thank goodness, thank goodness that if I fail to keep one of the Ten Commandments, I can still be in the new covenant with Jesus. Thank goodness that by breaking the old covenant, I don't lose the ability to be in covenant with God Almighty. Absolutely. Do we throw the Ten Commandments out as a result of this? No. Come on, people. There's people out there that say, you know what, the, the, the New Testament, it, it totally, you know, you don't have to follow the rules and regulations. Well, true, we don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have to have all the cleansing requirements that were in Leviticus and, and all of those. But you know what? Those fundamental Ten Commandments, that's the heart of God. And those rules are there to protect us from hurting ourselves. But if we break them, it doesn't break our covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank goodness. So who is this covenant for? Because in this, these scriptures, it says, I'm going to make a covenant with the people of Israel, the people of Judah. Unless you're a Jew, are we in trouble? Well, it says in 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says, But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, in other words, both Jews and non-Jews, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Praise God, the covenant is for us, but maybe that's not explicit enough for us. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 13. It says, Remember that at that time, Back in the old covenant, you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promises without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ, in other words, in his new covenant, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise God. It's for you. It's for me. It's for us through faith in Jesus Christ. So here's five huge benefits to accepting Jesus's Christmas covenant with us. Five huge benefits going back to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. It says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Here's number one. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. God will put his law in your mind and write it on your heart. He will. It's his covenant promise to you. He will do it. So if you're one of these people like me that struggles with 
doing right things and staying away from wrong things and you want to kick yourself and you even might hate yourself and you get so aggravated because you keep failing God will write his righteous law on your heart and you will want to do the right things and you will stop doing the wrong things you will it's a covenant of Jesus with you that he's going to do that and you know what not he's going to he's he's doing it right now he's doing it right now he's already done it you say Steve you don't know my heart my heart is I'm a bad person I'm a terrible person why are we such rotten bad people sometimes in Jeremiah 17 1 it, it explains that Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their their altars in other words sin gets in there and it writes permanently in your heart it carves into your heart the sins that you can't get rid of so how is it that God comes and he changes that well we see in Ezekiel 36 verse 26 here it says I will give you a new heart I will give you a new heart I will put a new spirit in you I will remove from you your heart of stone the one that has the inscribed and engraved on it all your evil tendencies we all have them I have plenty of them you do as well but he's going, put, he's going to remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep all my laws. I will move you. In other words, I'm going to make you want to. You're going to love me with all your heart and I'm going to help you and you're not going to do it by yourself because I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You're going to want to serve God. Praise God. And, and don't, it hasn't that been your experience? That as you get close to God, your desires change. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you new desires. Desires you didn't have before. And he will pull out the old desires and you're going to want to want to want God more than you ever did before. In fact, that's what I do. Whenever I start feeling cold in my heart, a little clammy, <laughs> little lack of desire for reading my Bible or for prayer for going to church or doing God's will and I don't have the joy and I don't have the peace you know what I pray I say God help me to want to want you more Amen. that's a prayer God will always always answer is God help me to want you more <laughs> praise God he does this this is his covenant this is his promises you know, a lot of people say, I, I'm standing on the promises of God. Well, as you should, you definitely stand. But you know what's better? Stand on the covenant of God. Because when you're standing in the covenant of God, you're standing on all his promises as well. Praise God. His, you know what? God obligates himself to us. I don't know why he does it. It has to be love. He loves us. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, the almighty God of the universe, the king of kings has obligated himself to you. If you will enter into his covenant, man, he will fulfill all kinds of blessings and, and unbelievable things, callings in your life, purpose in your life. But let's look at number two here. The second huge benefit of, in, of accepting Jesus' Christmas covenant with you. I will put my law in their hearts. 
I will be their God and they will be my people. Here's number two. You will have a unique, close relationship with God. You'll no longer be distant from him. He is with you. And I've been practicing the presence of God this week. In fact, I've been doing it for a couple of months now. Practicing God's presence. What is practicing God's presence? Getting up in the morning and saying, you're with me, God. You're right here with me. I'm not praying up to a distant God in heaven. I'm talking to my wonderful divine friend because Jesus said I call you friends I talk to him I walk with him he's right here with me and that's part of the covenant he will be so close to us he will listen and answer us he will bless you he will bless you he will be your God let's read on in verse 34 of Jeremiah 31 no longer will they teach their neighbor nor say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Here's number three, God's covenant with us. He says, you're going to know me. You're going to know me. And, and it's not going to be hard to get to know me. You're not going to have to put tons and tons of effort to get to know the Lord. You're going to just automatically, naturally get to know who God is. You're going to know him personally. In Hosea chapter six, or chapter four, verse six, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why do we wither away as Christians and not, and not become everything that God wants us to be? It's because we don't know him. But if we'll enter into covenants with God, we will know God naturally, automatically, consistently, and in an ever-growing fashion. The Bible tells us, grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. Grow up in it. Are there some things we need to do? Absolutely. Read your Bible and you will know God more and more and more. Practice the Bible and you'll know God more and more. Pray the Bible and you will know God more and more and more. But grow in the knowledge and the grace of God. How do you personally know God? And let me rephrase that. Let me put the emphasis where it needs to be. How do you personally know God? Have you had an experience maybe where God flooded your soul with peace when you were stressed out of your mind? Guess what? You know God. Have you ever, uh, have you ever been with nothing and God provided you out of the left field? You know God. Have you ever been rescued from a dire situation? You were going down for the last count and God swooped in and rescued you. You know God. You're already experiencing God's covenant in your life. Have you ever been sick and God healed you? You know God. Have you ever been delivered by God from something that was crushing you? You know God. You are already experiencing the benefits of a covenant that God has with you. Philippians 3.8, the Apostle Paul says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider it garbage that I may gain Christ or knowing Christ. You know God. 
Give yourself a little bit of credit. Give him all the credit. You know God. But here's the fourth huge, uh, huge benefit of this Christmas covenant. In Jeremiah 31 now, 34. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Have you been forgiven by God? Yes. Yes, you have been forgiven. Praise God, you have experienced this benefit of covenant with Jesus is the washing of our souls, the washing of our consciousness, the, the washing of our memory. Let me tell you what, as you look back, you should see nothing else but Jesus. The past, all you see is Jesus looking forward is all you see is promises, his plan for your life. Praise God, but here's the fifth one. Not so uh, explicit, if you will, in Jeremiah 31, but it is mentioned in Ephesians 1.18. Um, here it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may, the, may know the hope to which you've been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance. And, and actually, I, I think I skipped something. If you can go back, let me read it from Hebrews 9, 15. Yes, here it is right here. For this reason, this is the fifth benefit right here. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. See, Hebrews is talking about what, what we we're discussing in Jeremiah, that he's the mediator for those he called that they may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Here's the fifth huge benefit of this new covenant found in Hebrews 9 is you will receive an eternal inheritance. You will. And I'm telling you, some of that inheritance is spilling into your life already. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a mistake. And this, this is a religious tendency to defer all the gratification of being a Christian until you get to heaven. That is a huge mistake. God wants to bless you now. He wants, to, he wants to enrich your life right now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to have joy, to have peace, to have provision, to have healing, to experience his presence in your life and to have some material wants and desires as well. God doesn't defer all of that inheritance. His inheritance for you is so big that it can't be contained until eternity. It's spilling into your life even right now. Praise God. You can, you can be, in fact, in the, the story of the prodigal son, the son who was faithful to his dad and everything, you know, he gets a little bit angry when his brother comes back. He's lost all his inheritance and his dad treats him well. Why? Because he was in covenant with his dad, by the way. But anyways, his, the, the older son, the faithful son, complains to his dad and says, well, you never killed a fatted calf for me. We never had a party. You know what his dad said? You could have just asked for it and I would have given it to you. How many blessings are we going to get to heaven and say, that one expired? <laughs> I could have had that if I would have just asked. And the Bible tells us you don't have because you don't ask. Say, God, let some of your inheritance be given to me today. Amen. Amen. But he's got an eternal inheritance that's going to be mind boggling for us. When we get to heaven, I cannot wait. Do you wish you could go just right now and just, <laughs> you know what? We have a job to do, though. 
we have the autism society that we need to minister to this this Christmas season. We need to be selfless this Christmas season. We need to be ministering this. We have a job. We have a purpose. But listen to this in Ephesians. I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy people. Oh, God, open our eyes so we can see and experience and consume all that God has for us. In Ephesians 1, 13, uh, verses 13 and 14, it says, You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And I want you to walk with me. I was... I was this week, I was thinking about it. I was feeling the richness of, of God's inheritance and I was walking and praying and this scripture popped into my head and I got so excited, so enthused, thinking the Holy Spirit is right here. He's the ring. He's the sign of the covenant. He's saying, I'm guaranteeing you that the fact that my presence is with you guarantees the future glory that God has for us. He's brought his very presence into our life as a guarantee of this inheritance that God has for us. Praise God. And look at this in, in Hebrews. So this inheritance, remember an inheritance usually has to do with somebody dying, right? They, somebody has to die before I get my inheritance. Well, look at this in Hebrews 9, verses 16 and 17. It says, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is, is in force only when someone has died. Guess who's died already? Jesus has already died. The inheritance is already ours. Wow. Absolutely incredible. When I read that, I was like, my goodness. So in this covenant, do we have an obligation is there something we must do in order to enjoy these five huge benefits? Look at this. The entire New Testament is telling you, in essence, one thing. One thing alone. Have faith in God. That's all you have to do. Put your faith in God. Don't put your faith in yourself. Don't put your faith in the government. Don't put your faith in your family, your marriage. Don't put your faith in your employer. Take all your faith and, and the value that it is and take it off of all of those things and put it squarely on Jesus. And these five benefits are going to be yours in ways that you could have never imagined. If you're saying, you know what, Steve, I don't experience some of the things that you're, you're talking about. And I've been a Christian for a while. Let me ask you, have you put your faith in God? I mean, you got to lean all your weight on him so that if he moves, you fall down. That's what faith in God means. Don't put your faith in people. But look at Galatians, just a, a tiny, small sampling of what the New Testament tells us. In Galatians 3, 2, it says, what was promised, in other words, through this new covenant, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, that it might be given to those who believe. Do you get that? Faith in God is how the covenant of God comes to life 
in your life. Hebrews 6.12, and we'll end with this. It says, for those who through faith and persevere and patience inherit what's being promised. So if you say, I'm not experiencing what you're talking about, put your faith, patiently put your faith in God and the promises of the covenant, the obligations God has made to you are going to come to life. Let's look at this. Have faith in God and these five huge benefits of Jesus' Christmas covenant with you will come to pass. First of all, God's going to put his law in your mind and write it on your heart. He's going to give you a brand new heart. Oh, praise God. The things you used to do, you're going to stop doing. Jesus came to put an end to sin. Not just to forgive your sin, to put a final nail in the casket and say no more sin. You don't have to trip up anymore. You don't have to trip anymore. You can stand on those two feet that God has given you. and You can put an end to sin. Put a new, new heart in you. Number two, you have a unique, close relationship with Jesus. He's with you everywhere you go. Talk to him. Stop thinking that he's distant. He's with you. Number three, you know God. You have experienced a knowledge of God. And God has forgiven you of your sins. And you have an eternal inheritance that's spilling into your life even right now. Let's pray as my dad is going to come up and, and lead us in celebrating this new covenant. In remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth to make a new covenant with your people. You saw that we could never keep the old covenant. Lord, our hearts were, were tainted. Our hearts were uh, corrupt, Lord Jesus. But Lord God, you came and you made a new covenant with us. It's fail-proof. As long as we have faith in God, it can't go wrong. <laughs> it can't be messed up. And Lord, I believe everybody in this room and those that are listening online, we know What's been, we've experienced what we're talking about here. And we're coming to the realization, oh my word, Lord God, you have made a covenant with me. That's why things go well for me even to this day because of your covenant with me. Signed and sealed in your blood with a deposit of the Holy Spirit and his presence in our lives. We thank you, God. So we want to take the Lord's Supper today. Lord, and we want to celebrate and remember the covenant that you've made with us, our forever covenant. In your name I pray, amen.